0: My name is Chris, I'm wearing my other hat right now. The sermon reading today comes from the book of Matthew, chapter 25. If you're using the church Bibles, you'll find it on page 1414, and I'm reading from verse 14. It's headed the parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more. But the man who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants returned and settled accounts with them. The man who had received five bags of gold brought the other five. "'Master,' he said, "'you entrusted me with five bags of gold.' Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful with a few things. I'll put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. Then the man who had received one bag of gold came. Master, he said, I knew that you're a hard man, harvesting where you've not sown and gathering where you've not scattered seed. So I was afraid "'and went out and hid your gold in the ground. "'See, here is what belongs to you.' "'His master replied, "'You wicked, lazy servant. "'So you knew that I harvest where I've not sown "'and gather where I've not scattered seed. "'Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the bankers "'so that when I returned I would have received it back with interest. "'So take the bag of gold from him "'and give it to the one who has ten bags.' For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth.
1: Let me pray as we get into this passage. Dear Lord, as we reflect on your word now, I pray that you will speak to each of us clearly, that your spirit will open our hearts and minds and hands to see how we might honour you with the gifts that you have given us. Amen. Our current series is titled Four Parables, One Story. So these are stories that Jesus told that point to God's big story for humanity. And that big story is all about how much we are loved by God and how we need to respond to that love. And at the heart of that story is the Son who died for our sins, who defeated death and is now seated at the right hand of the Father and who's been given all authority on heaven and in, on earth. And parables are a little bit like a platypus, so they're kind of cute and lovable and short, uh, but if, if, you, if you know platypuses, they, they actually have a poisonous barb on like one of their hind legs, and it's a little bit like that with parables. They're good news. Uh, they are life-changingly good news, but they also come with a warning, and so we need to hear it all. We need to hear the stuff that we want to hear, and we need to hear the stuff that we need to hear. So last week, we had a parable about a gracious father and a son who shows an astounding contempt for his father. So he squanders his father's wealth on wild living and he ends up destitute and feeding pigs to survive. Now, personally, I'm quite partial to a pork roast. But if you are a Jewish person, then uh, your pork is unclean and feeding pigs is about as humiliating as it gets. And so if you were a self-righteous Pharisee hearing this parable, then you'd be feeling very vindicated because you're seeing justice served. The bad son gets what he deserves. But, of course, that wasn't the end of the story, this contemptible unforgivable son goes back to the father and the plot twist is that he is forgiven and he is restored to a place of honour and he shares in his father's feast. It's an outrageous story but it's also a message that is beautifully simple. Uh, Whoever we have become, whatever we have done, we are loved and we can be forgiven. But the spur in the parable was the older son. He hears that his father is feasting with his brother for his brother, and he refuses to go in. So the son who should have been on the outside is on the inside, and the older brother, who represents the Pharisees, who should be on the inside, is now outside in the darkness because he refuses to accept his father's will. You know, the Pharisees just couldn't accept that God was willing to forgive anyone. I think these days our social outrage perhaps goes in the other direction. You know, we, we are outraged at the idea that God would refuse to forgive everyone. But this, that was last week. This week, or the week before, sorry, uh, the parable was the parable of the banquet. So we heard a similar story but different. Uh, This time a king invites his guests to the wedding of his son and it's a picture of generosity and grace and abundance and who in their right mind wouldn't want to go to a royal wedding? And the answer turns out to be, well, quite a few people. Uh, A whole bunch of the invited guests refuse to go and they even murder the king's servant. And so the king, unsurprisingly, holds them accountable. Uh, For those who have ears to hear, they'd recognise that these invited guests were Israel who refused to listen to the Old Testament prophets and who now refuse to recognise the king's son. And so not only are they going to miss out, but they're going to be judged and found guilty. And then once again, those who should be on the outside are on the inside and those who should be inside are outside. Uh, But that's not the only spur in that parable, because there was this other guy who was kind of easy to miss in the reading, but he was happy to turn up to the royal wedding in his, you know, thongs and his favourite stubbies, and he was sort of wandering around eating the prawn cocktails. And the king sees this man, and he says to his servants, "'Tie him hand and foot, and throw him outside into the darkness.' where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so when we put these two parables together, I hope what we're seeing is that we are loved, uh, that God has good things in store for those who love him, but there's also a right way to respond to God. Uh, We need to accept the invitation. We need to come back to God and repent of our sin. And we need to come back ready to submit to his will for our lives. So I can't just say, you know, I'm a Christian, but you know, metaphorically I'm going to dress however I want. If we're asking Jesus to be our saviour, then we're also accepting him as our Lord. Uh, and that means there's a genuine mutual commitment involved where I need to dress as someone who is ready and prepared to honour the Son. And that attire is going to start with the attitude of our heart. But it's also the way we live, uh, the way we value other people, the way we value our money, the way we value our time. And particularly for today, the way we value the gifts that God has given us. And that's the focus of this parable. So in the context of being loved, uh, how do we express our love for God? And I want to draw out three things from this parable. Firstly, we all have gifts. God has given all of us stuff that we can do. Secondly, we can make a difference. And number three, and this is the spur in the parable, using our gifts is not an optional extra. And so our parable begins uh, with a man going on a journey, a master, and he entrusts his servants with an astounding amount of money. In in this parable, you know, five bags of gold or two or one. In other parables, it talks about, you know, the money being a talent of, of money, which is, you know, an enormous amount of wealth, like years and years of wages. So even the least of the servants is given a lot. And the man going on the journey represents Jesus. So he is with the Father in heaven and in his absence, his servants, his people, us, are called to be useful. And so the money represents the talents and the abilities that he has given us to use for his glory. And so the first thing to notice is that not everyone is gifted equally. Uh, One is given five, one two, another one. And that's true from our experience, isn't it? You know, there are some people who just seem to be good at everything. You know, they're good leaders, they're good thinkers, they sing, they dance, and in their spare time, you know, they go and rescue puppies. Yeah, they're just people who are like that. Uh, Then there are some people who perhaps aren't good at everything, but, gee, they're good at their particular thing. You know, they're particularly gifted as musicians or they're good at offering just the right word of comfort in just the right moment. Or they're gifted at talking to people about Jesus in a way that's clear and gracious. Or they're simply gifted at serving behind the scenes. You never see them. They're never up the front, but they're just behind the scenes getting stuff done. And for some of us, and perhaps for many of us, Uh, We struggle to see. well, what has God given me? You know, it's easy to talk about using your gifts, but where do I use them or what have I got? And so here's a few things that I think are worth, or questions that I think are worth considering. And you you might even have some more, but but here's my top six. Uh, The first one is, do I love Jesus and do other people see that I love Jesus? Uh, Clearly, we are not going to be perfect. But if we're going to do things in the name of Jesus, then we do need to make sure that our behaviour and our example is going to line people up with what we then say. So that's our starting point. Do I love Jesus in the first place? Uh, Number two, uh, what personality traits has God given me that I could use to serve others? Are you empathetic and caring? Are you an extrovert? you like to talk to other people? Are you decisive and able to lead? You know, do you like detail? You know, how does your personality line up with your gifts? Number three, uh, what gifts do I have that God could use to serve others? Are you good at administration? Are you good at music? Are you good at explaining the Bible? And again, we don't have to have someone else's gifts. We're just answering the question, what are my gifts? Uh, Number four, uh, what needs do I see around me? Yeah, it might be something like reading the Bible at church. It might be cleaning the toilets. It might be getting involved with toddler time or cross-life kids. It might be hospitality or having someone over for a meal. It might be working within the ministry that we do together but equally, it might simply be within your sphere of relationships. It might have nothing to do with you know, any of our programs here at church. Just who's my neighbour who I can love and care for? Who's in my family that's in need? Uh, number five, at what time can I realistically and sustainably and generously make available? Uh, We all have different capacities, we're all in different ages and stages of life, we all have different responsibilities, but within all of that, and without comparing ourselves to other people, how do we honour God with the time that we have? And then number six, and this is a little bit of a supplementary I think, but what am I passionate about? And I think there's some wisdom in that question, which is, you know, if you love talking to young people about Jesus and you've been gifted to do that, then wonderful, use that gift. But sometimes things aren't really about passion. I'm not sure if anyone is actually passionate about cleaning the toilet. Uh, It's one of those jobs that needs to be done, but I don't think it's about passion at that point. And so sometimes we've just got to go simply, what's the need and can I do it? And hey, if you love being in the kitchen, you love a clean kitchen, then don't let that hold you back, all right? Just just go crazy. I, I think people are more partial to the kitchen than the bathroom. But whatever it is, so, you know, sometimes it's just what is the need and can I serve? And whatever we do, uh, we're doing it motivated by a desire to honour God with what he's given us. Uh, whether people see it or not, whether we are praised for it or not. And so whether it's, you know, cleaning the toilets or serving, you know, in cross life, our common goal together is how are we going to honour God with what we have been given? And when we do it together, when each of us plays our part, then that's how we make a real difference. And so verse 16, the man who received five bags of gold went out at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also... The one with two bags of gold gained two more. You know, sometimes God works dramatically when we use our gifts. And I think perhaps, you know, the example of our our era, or perhaps my era, is someone like Billy Graham. You know, he he stood up and God worked through him to do spectacular things. You know, to perhaps influence a whole generation of Christians. For most of us, you know life tends to be a lot less traumatic uh, and sometimes even a little disappointing you know sometimes we don't really see how any of our effort makes any real difference you know we talk to a friend about Jesus perhaps and it doesn't seem to have any you know real impact there they don't turn around and become a christian sometimes we even wonder in fact am i doing more harm than good you know with all of my sort of bumbling words Uh, What we don't necessarily appreciate is that conversation might be one in a whole line of conversations and actually they've got a a friend at work who's also been talking to them about Jesus and that message is the same message that you've been talking about and as that person sees you, they see their friend, they see that this Christian thing is really making a difference. It actually impacts how people live. And then perhaps there's a third conversation where someone invites them to a men's breakfast and they hear that same message again, but this time God chooses to use it and they move from not just hearing it, but to actually understanding it and believing it. In the words of Paul, one person plants another waters, but God brings the growth. Now, you might be thinking, well, that's all very fine with talking about Jesus. Uh, But what about, you know, let's go back to the toilets for a second. Uh, How does that have an impact? But actually, everything we do together says something. When you walk in today, I hope what you see is a space of, of people who love Jesus. But even our building says this is something, you know, something that's going on here is actually significant. It's of value. And so as you walk in, as you talk to people, as you see what happens around you, that it all testifies to God's grace. And that's true from the time you walk in to what you hear to morning tea after. Everything says we've got a shared purpose together because God is good and we want to see him praised. Yeah, you know, we don't know how God is going to use our efforts. We might never see the fruit of our labour. Absolutely, we praise that we do and we're so thankful when we do. But in one sense, the outcome is not the point. Our job is simply to honour God faithfully with what he has given us. And then he will choose to use that how he will use it. And when the master returns, he expects to see results. So from verse 21, his master replied... In your master's happiness. So, God doesn't expect us to do what we cannot do, but He does expect us to do the things we can do with the gifts that He has given us. You know, it's great that we are recognised as valuable by others. We all appreciate, you know, when when someone, you know, sees what we do and and is thankful. And we should be thankful when we see other people serving. Um, But ultimately, what do we want most as Christians? We want to stand before our Lord and Saviour and for him to say, well done. You know, there's a great book by John Piper called Don't Waste Your Life and he he has this illustration of the person who turns up to God and says, look at all these shells I've collected. You know, I walked on the beach and I collected all these shells. Look at my wonderful shells. You can imagine God looking at those shells going, really, I gave you a life and what did you do? You collected shells? Yeah, that's not what we want, is it? Yeah, God has given us so much and we want to hear those words, well done, good and faithful servant. And that brings us to our servant at the end and this is that spur in that hind leg, the guy who thought it would be a good idea to bury the money and then he tries to justify his behaviour. I'm pretty sure he's the same guy who's you know, wearing his stubbies and thongs and the back half of verse 24, he says, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you, are not, where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid and went out and hid your gold in the ground. And his own excuse condemns him. He knows what the master wants, and yet he doesn't do it. And the master turns around and says, you wicked and lazy servant. You know, when it comes to working out our priorities, we often start with, you know, what are our preferred life choices? And then we try to work out, well, okay, now what's left that I might give to God? But Jesus expects more from us. He's not rebuking his audience for hobbies or going on holidays or, or even a social life and picking up shells on the beach. But all of that idea of rest is a little bit like, you know, subbing off, in a game of sport, when you sub off in a game of sport, the idea isn't that you leave the game. The idea is you rest and recover so you're ready to get back in the game and that you're energised. And, and that's, that's how, I suppose, we need to view rest. That God hasn't simply given us a life of rest, uh, although we do enjoy rest, but he's actually given us a purpose. And even rest fits in that purpose. I think often we can come before God with an awful lot of expectation of how God will be committed to us. But we don't place that same expectation on ourselves about how are we going to be committed to God. And if that's our attitude, then the warning of this passage is you know, our third servant where he says, throw the worthless servant outside into the darkness where there'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And it's the same language uh, that we heard in our first parable. You know, God saves us through his son and there's nothing we can do to contribute to our salvation. But if we are truly saved people, he didn't just simply save us to sit at a bus stop and wait with our bags packed. You know, he wants us to open those bags and he wants us to use whatever he has given us for his purposes. And if the bags are big then he expects big things. Uh, that's true for us personally, but I think it's also true for us collectively. You know, as a church, we have been given so much. Uh, we have gifted people. We have financial resources. COVID is now behind us. We've been, that's been a quite a convenient excuse for a long time. But in, to paraphrase our parable, for those who have been given much, much is, is expected. And over the next little while, and this actually wasn't part of planned into this series per se, but as we start to get to, the, to next year, as we start to look towards you know, 2023, and we do want to have those questions. Okay, with everything we've been given, how are we going to use it? Where does God want us to go next? What does he want us to do with the resources that we've been given? So as we put these three parables together, I hope we see a, a view that we are loved Uh, That God wants to forgive, that God wants to welcome us home, but we've also got a responsibility. Uh, It's more than just a belief in God, it's more than just being good people or coming to church. It's about loving God, but it's also about being loved by God, sorry, but it's also about loving God. And ultimately, we express that love in honouring him with the gifts that we've been given. So let me close with three questions that I hope are helpful. What gifts have I been given? Uh, How am I using my gifts? And then number three, how might I use my gifts? Let me pray. Dear Lord, we do thank you for your goodness and grace and mercy. Uh, You love us. You call us back into your family. You forgive us. And Lord, you have gifted us and you call us to use those gifts to honour and serve you. And so, Lord, I pray for each of us now that we might recognise uh, your goodness to us and we might recognise how we might serve you and serve your people and serve our community. Amen.